Hello, and welcome to the Visat Podcast. I'm Alex Miller with Corporate Communications, and we're here today with Evan Dixon, Vice President, Global Fixed Broadband Services, to talk about Visat's recent purchase of its European broadband joint venture. So uh, first, thanks for being on the podcast, Evan. It was, uh, I think it was a year ago that we did our last one, so it's great to have you back. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me again, Alex. All right. Well, let's jump in since we've got a lot of ground to cover. So uh, first, uh, it's exciting that we closed this deal, you know, which now gives us our own satellite and ground network in Europe before we launch Viasat 3 Constellation uh, starting, you know, in 2022. So can you explain the value and rationale for why we wanted these assets? First of all, it's important to point out this is a business we know very well. This is a joint venture that we've had with Utilsat for, um, for several years now. I personally have been on the board of this business for the last couple of years alongside Rick Baldridge and Kevin Lippert from, from Viasat. So we're very familiar with how the business is operated and how it's run, which is very unique when it comes to an acquisition um, and certainly gives us an advantage to hit the ground running. So we're really excited about that. I think the first point that I'd make in terms of the value for the rationale for why we did this would be, it's a great financial move for the company. If you just take a step back and look at we paid 140 million euros for the remaining 51% stake in the joint venture. The business had 100 million euros in the bank. So the cash outlay, the net cash outlay for Viasat was about 40 million euros. So we spent about 40 million euros in cash to get a business that we valued at a significant multiple beyond that. And this business also is generating a high EBITDA margin, a lot of EBITDA that's going to go immediately into our segment. It's generating a lot of free cash flow. It's a positive business. We get to take this business and integrate it into our satellite services segment, which fits in very nicely. I think the second thing to point out is this is a logical conclusion to our partnership with Utilsat. We set out to be partners with Utilsat for the long term. Along the way, after some bumps, um, we decided to go our separate paths. We just didn't quite agree on the, the direction that we we're going to go. And so so this joint venture coming to an end is, is is a logical conclusion after a few years of working that out with them. So as you say, Biasat knows the residential business fairly well in Europe since we've been involved with it over the last several years with the joint venture. So what are some of the other verticals that would make sense for Biasat services and technology in Europe with KASAT and then later Biasat 3? So Biasat bought a satellite in KASAT. They did not buy just a particular business or a vertical. And KASAT has multiple business lines on it, many of which Viasat already is a part of. So in addition to the fact that we already know the business pretty well, we actually are already utilizing the satellite quite a bit. So on the residential side, which we've talked about, we have uh, residential services that are riding on KASAT today in Spain and Norway and Poland. Viasat also has multiple airlines that are utilizing KASAT. SAS, Finnair, et cetera, are utilizing KASAT capacity. In addition, we've also got a maritime business. Several boats are using KASAT. We've got our government services business utilizes much of the capacity of, uh, of KASAT as well. So in acquiring the satellite, it's not all about acquiring revenue. It's about acquiring actually a, a lowering of costs. It'll come, um, which today for those services, Viasat pays a cost for 2K set for those usages. Now that'll, that cost will uh, effectively go away as we own the satellite ourselves. And then last thing I'd point out is this accelerates our, our ability to prepare for Viasat 3 over EMEA, which is launching next year. So 
when I say prepare, that means we get to learn the markets. We get to establish our sales and distribution and operational foundation across the continent. And perhaps most importantly, and one of the things I'm most excited about is we get to start building directly those key relationships with distributors across the continent and start to share with them the Viasat vision and what is to come with the new Viasat 3 packages. So, Evan, when we first announced the intention to purchase the remaining 51% of the joint venture, uh, some media were positive and some were skeptical, but what would you say to those skeptics? I know you kind of touched on some of it, but why, why was this a good deal for Viasat? Yeah, so first of all, I don't think that reaction is any different from any time a public company makes an acquisition. There's going to be some that love it and some that question it, and this was no different. Right. But I'd say rather simply is the fact that we purchased a financially healthy business that's generating a lot of earnings, a lot of free cash flow for an outlay of 40 million, uh, 40 million euros, as I, just, as I just said. That alone should address the skeptics. This satellite has a lot of years left in its life, and it covers what we believe is one of the most important broadband markets uh, in the world. And we can get access to it right now. And then as I already touched on, the, the ability for us to prepare for Viasat 3 is uh, incredibly valuable. There's, there's nothing more important when Viasat 3 launches to make sure that Viasat 3 ramps up with business and subscribers very quickly. And the only way to make sure that we ramp up quickly is to be ready. And we're gonna build out that preparedness over the course of the next year and hopefully put us in a good position for Viasat 3 over EMEA to be really successful. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Hey, I wanted to ask, uh, so the KA satellite that you were just talking about covers Europe and it covers some of the Mediterranean. Is that pretty much the extent of it? Or? Yeah, uh, parts of North Africa um, and actually extends into the Middle East a bit. It actually covers Western Russia as well, down into the, down in the Mediterranean. So it's a, it's a rather wide geographic region that it covers. Uh, and are we going to be looking at some of those, those outer fringes of the footprint? Yeah, for, first of all, uh, the business that we bought already has an extensive amount of revenue coming from all those regions, coming from uh, everywhere from Turkey to Morocco to Russia to Ukraine, down to the Balkans. So there's revenue coming from, from every which region. No question, the majority of the revenue is coming from Western Europe, which has been a successful market for KSAT. We plan to continue that success, but we also are excited to extend uh, some of that success into Eastern Europe, Southern Europe, uh, North Africa, and, and extending into Russia. Okay. So yeah, I wanted to get into that in this next uh, couple of kind of multi-part questions here, since I know you're very familiar with the, the European market since you were living and working over overseas during the, the joint venture period. So I wanted to get into the market's appetite for broadband. So what is today the dominating broadband technology in Europe that people are using? Yeah, so I hate using Europe, uh, talking about it like it's a single market. Of course, every single country, there's a different broadband situation going on. But speaking generally about the continent, fiber is rolling out quickly, similar to what we're seeing in the United States and, and many parts around the world. However, you have a lot of antiquated DSL that won't be upgraded. And when I say antiquated DSL, that's what we would define as being a, a prime underserved market, slower speeds, not capable of doing a lot of what residences are requiring today at home. The unserved market is getting smaller, but that's okay because that's never been an interesting market for Viasat. We've always uh, been focused on the underserved market. That's much more interesting for us because it's a much larger market and it allows us to focus on differentiating services. And so that's really gonna be our focus. 
Okay, so so in other words, there's the places where people don't have any access to internet is is getting pretty small. But the people who there's a number of places that have you know kind of poor service is is still ripe for expansion. Yeah, I, I, I'd say the amount of people it's definitely getting smaller in terms of the amount of people that don't have any service. It's still large. We expect right. to do very well in that un, unserved market. The point being the the long term market and our ability to be viable, um, have an enduring business in Europe is going to be focused on the underserved market. Right. So um, we talk about broadband consumption, like the consumers, uh, and, and I know that we don't want it to be too broad about Europe, but, you know, in the United States, we know video and streaming, things like that drive a really large amount of the data consumption. Is, is that pretty much the case in a lot of European countries? Yes, it is. It's all about streaming. So they're at a different point in their cycle in terms of the penetration of video streaming, uh, but they're not far behind the United States. And so the year over year streaming growth and the usage of broadband to do that streaming growth is growing exponentially in Europe. I would say, based on most of the data that we see, they're a year or two behind where we are, broadly speaking, um, in the United States in terms of their, their streaming adoption. And so as that adoption in rate increases, they're going to need better and better connections. And that's really our opportunity. That's why it's that's opportunity, because we got a service that works fantastic with streaming. And, and we want to make sure that we bring that to as many parts of Europe today that um, are not able to do that because of technology that hasn't kept up with their demands. So uh, I think you touched a little bit on this, but how is the European residential market different than the U.S.? And uh, where are the similarities? Yeah. So again, I, I hate to hate to refer to Europe as a single market. However, I would say that it's really healthy in terms of how large the underserved market is. However, the ARPUs are where the challenge are going to be. So ARPUs, broadly speaking, broadband ARPUs in Europe are less than they are in the United States. And really what that does is highlight the need for us to differentiate our product and service in the market. We've done that in the United States. Our ARPU is significantly higher than broadband, the MSOs and the, the fiber companies, their ARPUs. And we've done that by differentiating ourselves. We're going to have to do the same in Europe. We have to make it so that people are willing to pay a bit more for a premium service in, in order to lure them from an antiquated DSL product and lure them over to uh, a more expensive satellite broadband product. It's going to take something that is attractive and differentiated from the service that they have. And so you're going to see, see us coming out with those sort of pricing and packaging that differentiates us and hopefully attracts a lot of those subs. Right. And so that's a that's something that you're going to have to confront all over the place. You know, we, we're kind of pretty used to the United States. And as we expand globally, that's that's an issue you're going to tackle all over. Yeah, I, I think one, one consistent thing, I think as you go around the world, you're going to see us focus on both unserved and underserved markets from region to region. It's going to vary as far as is the unserved market larger than the underserved market and how should we focus? But certainly in Europe, the underserved market is the one where we plan to focus. Okay. I think the biggest thing that we see is uh, in every market, not just in Europe, is that people want to have a broadband connection that enables them to do the types of activities that are required of today. And that's streaming, of course, during this time of the pandemic, a lot of working from home, schooling from home, online shopping, social media. And people are happy with the broadband connection they have until it's suddenly not capable of keeping up with those demands. Right. Many times people at home 
don't pay attention to the type of connection they have, the type of speed they have, how much data they have until something breaks. And when something breaks, that's when they start shopping for something else. And what we're seeing is that the majority of our customers come from people moving from a different technology that is antiquated, such as DSL. And those people find out about us because their internet was no longer sufficient to do the things that they wanted to do, mainly streaming. And they call us for a better product that enables that. So we expect that that will be very similar in Europe and it will be similar with every market we roll into. So are there other uh, satellite internet companies operating in Europe that we'll be competing with? There are, of course, you have Eutelsat there, which recently launched their Connect satellite, which will be competing with that. You have some other smaller providers that primarily are uh, providing wholesale service to a fragmented group of smaller ISPs. So um, it is certainly not without competition, but we like our place and how we fit in and our ability to compete there. We feel pretty good about it. Yeah, we'll certainly be coming in with a lot of, a lot of capacity to sell. So a big goal for Viasat with this deal, uh, and we mentioned it a little bit before, was that, you know, use it as a launch pad to test out Viasat 3, like residential service plans over Europe. So can you talk a little bit about what, what those plans might look like for uh, subscribers in Europe? Yeah, so just as we plan to do in the United States, we will release Viasat 3 preview plans, if you will, ahead of Viasat 3's launch. And, and the real goal there is to show the market how attractive it is, what is to come. That is not something that we've uh, released any specifics on today, so I can't go into it yet. But And it's also something that's going to be coming out tomorrow. It's uh, it's something that as we inch a bit closer to Viasat 3, we'll have some really exciting announcements about what these packages look like in terms of taking both speed and data, orders of magnitude beyond where they are today. So uh, the satellite service market in Europe is pretty competitive with uh, Eutelsat and local market ISPs and, and now SpaceX coming into the scene. How do you plan to compete in the residential space? Yeah, so what it really comes down to is differentiated services. So in Europe specifically, satellite broadband has been commoditized. And when you have a commodity, you can really only differentiate on one aspect, which is price to a lesser extent customer service. And when you can only differentiate on price, that just ends up to be a battle about margin compression. Who's willing to suffer with a smaller margin for the sake of volume? That is not an interesting business we plan on being involved in, and we're not gonna get in the mud in that sort of a fight. What we're gonna be focused on is differentiating our services, making it so that there's a clear difference between what we're able to offer versus what another satellite broadband provider is able to offer. And that's in not just in terms of price it's going to, or in customer service, it's gonna be in the speed we're able to offer, the entire customer experience, the amount of data that we're providing, the video experience, people that want to watch 4K streaming, people that want to stream a lot at a high quality resolution, we plan on having an offering for them that is truly differentiated in the marketplace. And there's been some other things in the U.S. market that we've been kind of adding to our service offerings that, that aren't necessarily about speed and or price. It's just other other products on top of that. Is that something that we'll, we'll see in Europe as well? Yes, we have an extensive product roadmap, uh, the least of which is a product that's going to enable much more streaming of the most popular content around the world. We'll be announcing some of that in the coming months. And we are really excited about bringing that to Europe because we know that streaming is so important to that market and enabling people to stream a whole lot more in high definition 4K at home is going to be incredibly valuable. 
great. Well, sounds like a lot of amazing stuff coming up, especially with the, with the launch of the satellite over EMEA uh, next year sometime. So this has been a great conversation. We've learned a lot about the market dynamics and our plans with KASAT and, and how it's going to help lay the groundwork for Biosat 3. So thanks a lot for walking through all this, Evan. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks a lot for having me, Alex. Thanks for listening to the Biosat podcast. If you know someone you think would be interested in what you've heard on this episode, please share. You can always find the latest episodes on our blog at biosat.com, and you can subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or just about anywhere you get your podcasts. 